This is the Women Your Mother Warned You About podcast, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want you to go and check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is the place where sales professionals and sales leaders from across the globe go to learn and upscale. And right now, if you're a brand new user and you've never used Sales Gravy University before, you can get your first course for free by using coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. And hey, I've got several courses there that you can check out. So I hope to see you there. But let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. I'm always thinking about how do I operationalize the day so that I'm not losing those golden hours to travel, but then you got to weigh it out. The value to be in front of 200 people, right? Like I can knock that out in that time period. Operationalize the day. I just, I just, I just, I don't know. I just made that up. Does it, does that. it, does it sound that. like it makes sense? It, to me, it does. That sounds like a blog post. Operationalize the day. Okay. Blog pending. That sounds like a, that sounds like a, a session or outbound. Operationalize your day. Operationalize your day. Okay. You heard it here. Wow. So much <laughs> wisdom in this podcast. I love it. I love it. Welcome back, Amy Franco, to the women your mother warned you about. Uh, we're going to call this the British edition. It is good to be back and good to be with both of you as always. Yeah, this is um, Susanna's first time with you. This is my yep. a few times. I mean, you've been on the show. You've been on the show on Outbound. Yeah. Um, we've been to, to dinner together. Mm, um, that's right. Yes. We met up in Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I was out there in Columbus um, speaking for a client and we were able to get together and that was super cool. So it's great to be here with you now and coming back together again for Outbound. Excited lush. about that. Lush, lush. Absolutely. Can't wait. It is then the, it's it's the show of the year, right? It, it really is. And um, you and I have talked a lot about this and I know you've You've got a lot of great things going on. I would love to hear the newest that's been going on for you um, since we last, at least uh, you and I met up back in October. What's going on? And then I'd like to talk about what you're bringing to Outbound this year. So oh, yes. what's yeah. anything new and exciting this year? You know, so on on the personal side, my, my husband and I just got back from a trip to Ireland. Ooh, we took my mother-in-law and we were there for nine days. So that was at the end of April, early part of May. So, so that was fun and nice. a new adventure for my mother-in-law who had never had a passport, never traveled internationally. Oh, wow. And so she, she got to experience that adventure. Oh, So uh, we loved it. Yeah. What did you think of Ireland? I, you know, I love Ireland. I had been there one other time, but it was a really short trip about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, th- so this time around, we planned a little bit more of, I guess you'd call it a formal trip. Um, I have a friend who's a travel agent and she, um, she helped us book the entire thing. And we did a private tour, which it, you know, might seem really high, high end it is, but it's actually not that more expensive than doing a regular tour. So, um, you know, you talk, you talk about value and I know we talk about value all the time, just in sales environments and working with our clients. It was such a high value experience to be able to be with the personal tour guide, 
to learn about the culture of the country, to get a bit of a custom tour. Um, so from that perspective, it was really a special experience. Sounds super special. And don't you just love the Irish accent? <laughs> I do. I And I'm not going to try to imitate one, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get Gina on the, on the imitation um, things. Uh, stick to the improv, Gina. <laughs> I did actually in college have a perform in a show where I had to be Irish and I did have to work with the dialect coach. So I'm just, mm. now, just you leave it show now you have to show us. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's it. I think I would anything. close more deals if I could speak with an Irish accent. I think there's something so lyrical about the, the Irish accent and yeah, mm. yeah. But, but hey, hey, maybe, maybe that's, a, maybe that's a future sales gravy university. Potentially. I, I think that's a great course idea. That could accents. be a micro course. Yeah. How yeah. to sell it'll, it'll with accents. Yeah. Writing it down on the to-do bucket list. Uh, right. That, Amy. I love that. Yeah. Love that. So, uh, so that's on, on the personal front and on the professional front, you know, it's, um, you know, just like everybody, it has been an interesting last couple of years, but, um, last year and this year are shaping up to just be fantastic. And, uh, Doing a lot more consulting work these days, so kind of that combination of consulting and skill development work with uh, with sales teams. Uh, doing more advising with CEOs, executives, and if there's one thing I've learned over the last couple of years is um, really no matter what your what your lane happens to be, whether it's uh, you know, obviously ours is sales in this mm-hmm. profession, but really no matter what your lane happens to be, having um, just continually looking for new ideas, new ways to be innovative, new ways to diversify what you bring to the table. It keeps you fresh. Mm-hmm. And so when these major or minor disruptions happen, it's um, they don't throw you for a loop like they could otherwise. Yeah. It's just that it's just a new opportunity to think, all right, how how can I bring something different to to my clients? So I'd say that that's kind of what's new and just what I've taken away over the last year or two. And I think we talked about that last year too. Um, you know, we're bringing all the outbound guests back, you know, this year be- because outbound's coming up. And last year we talked about the fact that we learned how to look at it differently and be innovative and, and mm-hmm. how do we pivot. Um, I think that really set us all up for for now staying in that mindset right? Because before, like you could have a tragedy and then you got to deal with that. And then you would bounce back to your old ways. And now I think the, the new old ways is stay ready for change. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, um, you can't go back to the old. We can, it just like these experiences have, uh, I would say like expanded our mindsets. Oh, yeah. Gina, I think you nailed it. So because you know, we have these expanded mindsets. We really can't go back to the old. Mm-hmm. We can only keep going forward into the new. And, you know, we're going to be faced with something different, you know, today, tomorrow, a year from now, whatever it is. So I'm hopeful that what we've learned over the last couple of years will just make us even better. 100%, 100%. Yeah. What, what do you find? Because you're speaking to CEOs and companies daily, trying to fix problems, what would you say the most sort of reoccurring growing pain, if you like, or change that companies feel that they need to to have? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. Um, I, I would say there are probably two things that I've really noticed. Um, the first is, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. So, so my clients uh, are across a variety of industries. So I have clients in professional services. Mm-hmm. I have technology. I have manufacturing. 
which I really enjoy because I get to see a lot of different perspectives. Mm. But I would say that there are two common themes regardless of the industry. You kind of have, you have companies that are more or less falling into two camps Mm -hmm. in their CEOs and leadership. The first camp is a little bit more of the, I call it the risk averse camp. We're going to wait and see. We're going to wait, wait, whatever it is that's happening right now, inflation or what have you, we're going to wait it out. And those are the companies that tend to try to, they kind of shrink back Mm -hmm. a little bit. Those are the companies that to me are struggling more Mm -hmm. than the other camp that says, we are going to invest. We're going to continue to grow. We see this as an opportunity. And the CEO of that organization also has that mindset and they lead their people differently because of that mindset. Mm. Those are the companies that I gravitate toward mm-hmm. and that are the right fit for me and probably for, you know, for all three of us, really. Yeah. Because those are the ones, they're the ones that are out there leveraging opportunities and they want to work with people like us to help them get there. So, so those are probably like the two major mindsets that I'm seeing. Yeah. And then I would say, secondly, from a kind of like a skill development standpoint, because I spend a lot of times with clients on skill development, the ones where they have true champions, executive champions, the CEO, the chief sales officer, whatever that happens to be, those are the ones that really make the biggest strides when it comes to sales strategy and skill development. Um, and that's co- it doesn't matter if you're a $20 million company, a $100 million company, or a multi-billion dollar company. I've worked to- with companies of all sizes. That's a common theme mm-hmm. for success is that true champion sitting in ideally the CEO seat, but at least in like the, in the executive suite. You know, I had an interesting, that reminds me of, of a training that I just launched today for a new client and the CEOs in the training. And it's a small group. And I was like delighted that he was there. They said he would be there, yes. but you never know. And, and he was there and he was so engaged and he was so open and vulnerable. And he quoted Patrick Lencioni. So you knew that he was all about, you know, how do you resolve dysfunction of a team? And, you know, he, I, w- I was so enamored by the fact that he was part of this process. And we had been working on messaging today with the team and we're working with all across the board from AEs to BDRs and the different, you know, they're, they're, they're all, they all have a different, you know, view on, on the training. And he said, listen, we're, we're not all going to agree here, but let's be open to the fact that we're not all going to agree here because we're actually here to learn. And it was so refreshing. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is exactly the kind of progressive mentality that you're talking about. Um, compared to those that are just like, I don't got time for this, fix it. Mm. You see it in recruitment as well. You know, I'm, um, I yeah. recruit for, for salespeople um, and you see some CEOs sort of really saying, oh, do you know what? I'd rather not pay for a recruiter. And then tomorrow I'm training 30 managers for one of my clients because he wants them to know how to work with me in a better way. So instead of avoiding the recruiter because we want to not spend money, they're investing in it and embracing it. And again, you know, ideal client. So, Susanna, along those lines, um, you just made me think of a, a couple uh, statistics that I had as part of a blog post I recently wrote. And you talk about the value of really excellent recruiting. 
that combination of having an outside expert like yourself and also people inside the organization that are really focused on it. So when you look at, you know, hiring for a sales professional, if that sales professional is not with you six months from now, you've, you've hired them today, but they're not with you six months from now, the, the hard cost to your P&L can be upwards of $100,000. But also the soft cost or the opportunity cost can be well into the six figures as mm. well. Because you think about all those opportunities that that sales professional didn't uh, mm. identify or capitalize on, which can be difficult to put a figure on, but it's a minimum of $100,000. Yeah. So that when doesn't surprise I me. look at it through that lens, right? It's um, the kind of work that we do to build sales teams and sales professionals. That investment uh, just just pays off over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely highlighted the whole pandemic and the whole change. It's highlighted the salespeople who have great CVs who want to work from home. And you can tell, you say, why do you want to work from home? And then they don't give you a valid reason. So there's definitely a split between those salespeople have the right mindset, if you like, and the ones who may be a bit lazy. Now, I'm not saying everyone who wants to work from home is lazy. Um, many people have genuine reasons, but there are also many when they can't give you that valid reason to want to work from home. And there's a few alarm bells. Otherwise, there's just a few. There's definitely a split. There's definitely a split. I don't know about the two of you, but I'm really happy to get out of my house <laughs> and to be with clients and to be with people again. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel yes. that um, not that we haven't had to exercise those uh, digital selling uh, muscles and being able to identify and close seals start to finish in a virtual environment. But I am so glad to be back with people. There's just something about being in a room together that you you can't replicate in Zoom no matter how hard you try. Yeah. I agree. I like being on the road a little bit. I don't have to be a lot of it anymore, but I like it a little bit. I just, um, a client of mine asked me to come speak at an event um, that it's one of those networking events, but it's a pretty large group. It'll be 200 people of my ideal client profile. And I'm like, I'll do it. It's, it's a quick trip. It's an hour talk. It's, it's lead generation in front of all the right people I want to talk to. And it it will get me out in front of people because, because I sell better when I can be in front of you in person. It's just going to be like such a great lead generation. But then again, just to be around the energy of people. Yeah. Well, and it's the, yeah, the energy of people. And your comment just reminded me, I was, I was running a session for a client today, actually. And we were talking about how to leverage your sales time. I mean, Gina, you nailed it. Like you're going to be in front of 200 people that are your ideal client profile. You can't replicate 200 individual conversations no. when you can be in front of an entire group and build that rapport and relationship yeah. in person yeah. and have that energy. Yeah. And that's where you have to do the math on the opportunity, right? So it's, it's a four hour drive for me each way. Um, but I can start the drive after work on one evening, get there, speak in the morning and then have that opportunity to talk to all those people. And if I want, I'll just stay. I could also just stay in my hotel room to do work the rest of the day. If I want to, I'm always thinking about how do I operationalize the day so that I'm not losing those golden hours to travel, but then you got to weigh it out. The value to be in front of 200 people, right? Like I can knock that out in that time period. 
operationalize the day. I just, I just, I just, I don't know. I just made that up. Does it, I love does that. it, I does love it that. sound like it makes sense? It, to me, it does. That sounds like a blog post. Operationalize the day. Okay. Blog pending. That sounds like a, that sounds like a, a session at Outbound. Operationalize your day. Operationalize your day. Okay. You heard it here. Wow. So much <laughs> wisdom in this podcast. I love it. I Challenge love it. taken. Well, um, Amy also knows I need to be writing more, so... Don't we all know? That's right. That's right. The book, the book, <laughs> the, book. the book gold, girlfriend. The book. We're still waiting for the dating one. I really want to read that, Gina. When are you going to write it? As soon as my husband approves it. But one thing, one thing that you guys just said about losing hours, um, losing golden hours in travel. Personally, I love travel because that's my, this is not a pitch for sales gravy, but that's my sales gravy university time to listen um, and learn. True. Yeah. Um, and Audible, you know, there's so many books that I haven't got time to read, but when I'm driving, boom. Um, yeah. such a- I do. Yeah, I do operationalize the day with that. No, you just call me up and gossip. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's operationalizing your day just in a different way. <laughs> it's like entertainment. I love it. Even even air travel, though, like I um, I don't turn on the wireless when I'm doing air travel. I will take the time to maybe I'll write something or I'll read something that I had been wanting to catch up on. So I actually, you know, you know, air travel has its challenges, but I I really enjoy like just getting those few hours of time that I'm not connected to something yeah. to be able to to focus on something else. So I'm with you. I've been, I've been a bigger believer in that. I mean, I like I used to really take advantage of that time to listen to books and and take in additional information. And lately I've stepped away from that so that I can have downtime for my brain to rest because that's where the creativity comes out for me when I let my brain do nothing. Like if I drive to sales gravy for four hours, it is in silence. Yeah. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but it's in the silence where like new ideas come up for me and I'm just re- and I'm more relaxed. That's a new yeah, thing I'm trying. I love that. Are you more relaxed? Yeah. Way, I'm way more relaxed because if I'm listening to a book, like one of Jeb's books, it's like I'm still working. There's definitely something to be said, isn't there, about quiet time and meditation, especially for salespeople who are constantly on the go, right? Um, it can be such a busy, busy, busy environment. I know, I know that Gina is going to want to talk about more about outbound and what you're, you're going to speak about. But I'm, I'm keen to know <laughs> your book um, because yeah. I need more books. And I saw that you wrote a, a <laughs> book on modern sound. Can you tell us a bit about it and why should a salesperson read read the book? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you know, the, the catalyst for The Modern Seller was my own work with my clients and just really even looking at my own patterns. And I'm a, I'm a learning and development person at heart. When I, uh, when I left my corporate sales role 15 years ago, I, I pivoted into entrepreneurship and went into the learning and development profession. So now what my day-to-day looks like is I kind of get to meld together learning and development sales, sales leadership. And uh, you know, that, that's what I get to do with, with my clients, which I absolutely love. It just it hits all the things that really energize me. So as I was, you know, as I was working with my clients, it occurred to me that there are just some new 
uh, behaviors, new traits, new skill sets that we need to be building. And it doesn't mean that the daily activities of sales go away, like prospecting, presenting, negotiating, closing, all of those things. But I was finding that there was a way that we could be better at it. A little, I, I like to think of them as the skills behind the skills. So as I, I was thinking on this in my quiet time, Gina, <laughs> thinking on this, on you know, what does this really mean? That really kind of started like the formulation of the book. And the book dives into five capabilities of modern selling. So a modern seller is agile, um, entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and an ambassador. And when you build those capabilities in yourself or as a sales leader or as a sales enablement professional in your organization, that will help us become exponentially better at all the everyday sales and sales leadership activities that we have to take on. So, so that's a little bit about the book, the, the inspiration for it. Um, interestingly enough, the book is three and a half years old. But I would say that it, it became even more relevant during the pandemic and applied, applied even more so during that mm. time. I love that. And you could also get those, Gina's going to be like, stop talking about recruitment, Susanna. But you could, if you're recruiting for salespeople, you could also use those values to measure the questions that you're asking and to come up with the types of questions yeah. you're asking. So I, I really like yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to stop talking about recruitment. <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> goes hand in hand. I do want to, I do have a question. You At the beginning of this, you talked about you've shifted into more consulting. And mm -hmm. I'd like to hear more about that because I'm just curious, is there a, a tr do you think there's a trend with that, with how things have changed that now you're doing more consulting um, than? Yeah. You know, so, so. My work falls into three buckets and just depending on when you run into me, I might be working in one category more than the other. So um, sales consulting, uh, sales training, skill development, and then speaking. So, so th those are the speaking and writing. So those are my three major categories. And um, while I still do a lot of skill development, what I was finding was that the opportunities for skill development were leading to uncovering other uh, challenges, issues mm -hmm. in an organization that I could help the CEO yeah. or the chief sales officer with. And that might be anything from helping them fine tune a sales strategy to um, a lot of times what you uncover is there isn't enough structure underneath mm -hmm. the organization from sales process to, uh, to recruiting and hiring to having the right methodologies and tools. So, so that's really, it, it organically grew yeah. from the skill development work to uncovering other ways that I could help an organization. And ultimately it deepens the relationship and I could work with an organization really as long as we want to continue working together. There doesn't have to be an expiration date. Yeah on the work that we're doing. So it's helped me to retain clients uh, longer. Um, it's very high value work. And uh, it also leads to advising opportunities mm -hmm. too. I, I love that. And I think it's important for the listeners to take that in because that's so much about account expansion, right? Like yeah. you, you go in, you, you work on one thing, you see the opportunity, you organically um, and authentically 
expand it, right? It's not about, ooh, let me see what I can do to get more money out of you. Mm-hmm. It's it's having that true desire to want to take them to the next level. Um, I run into this a lot when I'm coaching um, one-on-one with salespeople who have decided to take money out of their own personal pockets to get some coaching because they don't have the support that they need. And I, I think I was telling Susanna this the other day, it's like almost all of them have come to me this, like the, everyone I'm working with this year, they're like, I still don't have my sales goals for this year. It's, mm. it's May. Well, no, it's June now. It's like, right. And that I'm like, this is a common problem that mm-hmm. it seems like every organization seems to have, which then says to me, there's other opportunity to help that company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think the really interesting thing that you just said, which I think also applies to outbound is the individuals that come to you that are coming to you and paying for your service and your expertise out of their own pocket. Yeah. A lot like our outbound attendees, you know, we get a lot of entrepreneurs, we get people that, that are coming because they want to invest in themselves and you just get an entirely different energy, commitments, yeah. relationship, because these people are your clients are spending their own money to work with you. It's not the company dollar. Um, So it's just, it's on one hand, we want to see our companies investing in their people. But on the other hand, I love it when somebody won't use that. They won't let that be an excuse for not getting better. Exactly. They're they're not using it as an excuse and they're either struggling and they want to get better or they're doing well and they want to get better. Right. Yes. even better. What a great mindset, right? Um, because I do worry. I, I do. I worry about the stories that you hear about organizations and people leaving sales who who shouldn't be leaving sales. It's music to my ears to meet more people like you and, you know, to hear more people doing the consulting because sales has a bad rep in, in many organizations. And I speak to people every day who are passive seekers. So oh, actually, I'm looking to move out of sales. I'm looking to move out of sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But why? And it's often because they haven't been conditioned in in the right environment. Um, And companies, like you say, don't often want to invest in that help. They're just like, you're a salesperson, just sell. But they don't ever get nourished. You know what's interesting about that? Here's another potential blog, right? We've all heard the phrase that people quit managers, they don't quit companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also have spoken to a lot of people Um, like prospecting, coaching prospects that often don't sign up because they're like, they're not sure they want to stay in sales, right? And Suzanne, I know you've been through that too. So is it, are they quitting the profession or are they quitting the company? That's a, that would be an interesting qualification question for clients that come to you and they're, they, they are, they're telling you that. It may be less qualification question than something for them to strategically think about and answer on their own. Because I do agree with you that the vast majority of people do leave. They don't just leave their company, they leave their manager. Right. But many times the manager has become a reflection of the, culture. the company's yeah. sales culture. Um, and that's, that's also one thing that I will work a lot with clients on. And it tends to also come up organically where we start to have these conversations about, well, what kind of sales culture do you really want to have? And are the leaders of the organization behaving in the ways Mm -hmm. that are congruent with sales culture? And if they're not, 
that's when you're going to see your elite sellers leave mm-hmm. and they're they're going to go to other organizations. An elite seller is not out there looking for a job. An elite seller is being, they're being recruited away, right, Susanna? Yep. There I am trying to headhunt them. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but I think some of them also get so burnt out from that culture that they start to doubt themselves. They start doubting their profession. They start doubting do I want to be in sales because yeah. they're questioning the culture more so than they're questioning their job? Yeah. And and that that's probably one of those introspective questions that that anybody who's kind of at that crossroads needs to to be thinking about. And I, you know, I was at, at that a similar type of crossroads probably about seven years ago. Now I had been um, I had been running my consulting business for seven or eight years and I was really burnt out and bored. When I when I pivoted into entrepreneurship and I got into the learning and development space, I was doing all types of training design and development, but it wasn't necessarily specific to sales or leadership. And um, after seven or eight years, I was really fried and just not enjoying it. You you know you know when you get to Sunday night and you don't want to go to work yeah. on Monday morning, mm-hmm. but, but you're the boss and the owner of the company. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty been bad. There. Yeah, We've that's bad. There. Right, right. Thank you for commiserating with me on <laughs> yep. this. I'm like, I know, I know other people have been there, but it was one of those kind of introspective points in time where I said, you know, I could either get a sales role in an organization mm-hmm. and excel and love it, or I could figure out what I'm not liking about my current situation and figure it out and fix it. And I decided on the latter after going through some initial, you know, research and seeing if I wanted to land inside an organization somewhere. But I ultimately decided I, I loved being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but I needed to retool what that looked like. And I loved everything, sales, sales leadership, writing, speaking. And it's like, well, why am I not doing that? And yeah. you know how you kind of like go down a path and you, you think you're going in this one direction and all of a sudden you have veered off yeah. and yeah. you're going to be in one destination and then you're like, how did I get here? Um, so it took me a couple of years to kind of recreate the path, if you will. Um, and now I just, I absolutely love what I do. And it's so energizing to me. So if somebody's out there listening or watching this and they're having some of those thoughts about, you know, am I in the right place? Think back to Gina's question. Do I want to stay in the profession and have a change of scenery? Or is this something much different that I need yeah. to dig into? And that's that's where a coach or someone yeah. who is uh, in that career guidance space can really help someone figure that out. Definitely. You also said, you know, a qualification point, right, for for a prospect that's considering coaching. That's and I think I've kind of coached Susanna on this a little bit. If, if they're coming to us with a, I don't know if I want to be in sales. That's when you have to, I, I, that's when I push back and go, I think you need to figure that out first because I don't want to sell you a coaching package until you are really clear that sales is for you. So is this an issue of sales is not for you or is it just this company that you work for? So you think on that and then let's have a conversation yeah. because I don't want to go down the path with them if they truly want to get out of sales. Yeah, you, you kind of always coach them through that in the discovery. And sometimes it does mm-hmm. lead them the other way and that's okay. 
It's okay. Um, it is. I mean, one thing that I, I noticed, I mean, obviously before these podcasts, I knew I knew a lot about who you are, um, but I, I had a massive stalk. Um, and <laughs> I would say, hands down, you know, you probably are one of the most impressive speakers that we have on the show. We're just sucking up now. But one thing I wanted to know, based on what you just said, which I think is very... Please, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> Thank you. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. It, it works for me. But um, one of the things that you mentioned just then, which I thought was particularly inspirational, when you said you took those two years to kind of figure it out, have you always had it sussed? Have you always had it sussed out? Because you're very brave. You did the whole entrepreneurial thing. You're now living a varied existence as a consultant, as a keynote speaker, as a trainer. Did someone coach you to through this or I'm just keen to I, know. I just interrupt for one second. Can you please define sussed? Oh, sorry. Um, sussed means <laughs> how did you discover in yourself, I guess? How did you figure it out, yeah. right? She knew what I meant, Gina. <laughs> She's in touch with her English side. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, right? We get, I, I love like, you know how like we just, we say things that we, we know, think that people will pick up on. And then it's like, oh, can you please, please translate for me? <laughs> oh, yes. We have many of those in these podcasts. It's great. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know about you ladies, but I am somebody who it's like, when I make a decision that I want something to be different, I'm like, well, why isn't it different tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Right? Yeah. I decided today. How come it's not different yeah. tomorrow? And um, I what what I had to learn was... It, it's patience and persistence, yep. right? Because it took me a good two years to get from that point where I was, you know, seven years ago to really feeling like I was on the right path. Like I knew that I wanted to get to the new path, but it's like you're kind of slogging through the forest to get there and just figuring it out. Um, so to, to answer your question on how I, um, how I sussed that out, <laughs> um, I would say a couple things. I've always had coaches in my life. When I first left corporate and became an entrepreneur, I hired a coach. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll tell you, that was a big investment. Mm -hmm. It was my first lesson in having to pay my own way, really, for for that kind of advice. So I hired a coach. I have had therapists over the years. I have a great one who is also an entrepreneur herself, and she is just excellent. She's one of those very pragmatic people that uh, I just really connect with. So I've, I've had therapists. Um, and I also have just had advisors. I would say the tipping point is though, is, um, I think it could be really easy to listen to too many voices and you do have to kind of draw the line to make sure that other people's opinions aren't drowning out your own voice. So Um, wise. And that's something I've really had to, that's a process for me still, because it's like, I want to hear what people I trust Mm -hmm. have to say. But there is that point where it's like, okay, you got to kind of shut some of that out and make the choices that that are best. So I would say it's a combination of getting some outside perspective, but also just being mindful of listening to my own voice yeah. and opinions and, and following that. That's a that's a really good point. Uh, I had someone recently that was a coaching prospect, and his frustration was, who does he listen to? And he literally is like, uh, do I do I listen to, you know, Jeb says this and Anthony says that and Victor says this and this one says that, right? He was, I, I, I wrote a blog. It's like overcoached, right? At some point, Ooh, I, I said, you're going to- That's a good topic. Right. Thank you. I said, you have to pick a path. Like 
take all this knowledge in and then do it Joe's way. Yes. Like, yeah. Do it your way, but do not get overwhelmed by being overcoached. I'm not going to disagree with you, by the way, but or and <laughs> and <laughs> surely and as we know it, and I know you do it as well, Gina, um, coaching should be ideally non-directive where possible and directive when absolutely needed. So, mm-hmm. you know, having a good coach means that you won't be overcoached and you will always trust that voice within. Yeah. If you are coachable in the non-directive sense, because we all know there are still people who need that directive. They just tell me, I don't know. So what do you think is important? Oh, I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> you know, we've still, you've still got those people who it, it, it's, it's more difficult to, to be non-directive yeah. with. Yeah. And I, and I use the word overcoached in that situation as, um, another version of like overlearning, go in. I see this happen all the time. They're trying to like take every possible class, read every possible book, and then they get paralyzed. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like you got to just go do something, right? Right. You got to do it and try it and see what works and what what doesn't work. Um, That's probably where that kind of quiet time you were talking about earlier can come into play, where we are, you know, I don't know if there's a such thing as over learning, right? Or learning too much. But I think there can be some times where the, all the, all the voices we're listening to, to drown things out. Um, this might be a little bit more of a, a side story, but where I have really had the opportunity to hone that type of skill was in my nonprofit board service. So, so for people out there listening that are like, how do you kind of bring some of the things that you're passionate about together and kind of bring the skills together? I'm a, I am the board chair for uh, the Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland, which is 30 counties in central and southern Ohio. And I'm in my fourth year as board chair. And I have a board of directors. There are 18 or 20 of us on the board. And these are all, you know, wicked smart people, all in their own right, all with different areas of expertise. And so there's this dynamic of having the, all the different voices in the room share what's on their mind if we're debating a topic. But ultimately, I had to learn as the board chair that the decision rested would rest with me. Even though I've gathered all the opinions, I was the one that had to make the decision and, and lives with the results of that decision. So finding those ways to build the muscle in a practical environment has helped with, with my business exponentially. Makes so much sense. So much sense. What are you talking about at Outbound? That's a great question. I think I have, I, we were joking earlier. It's like, well, whatever we're asked to do, we, yeah. we, we do, which, which exactly. we are half joking, but that, that's but part not. of the fun of being, about, <laughs> at being at Outbound. You, are, you have to be able to improv. Yep. But um, I will have a main stage session mm-hmm. where I will be digging into the modern seller. I will have a virtual session where I'm going to teach some concepts that are more, I would call them more tactical mm-hmm. for my strategic selling program and uh, then duties as a Nice. Well, one of those duties <laughs> is being on our show live. Yes. Yay. I can't wait. We got a, uh, we got an affirmative from uh, Jeff Bajoric is coming back. Uh, we had to have, we had to have Jeff back with us. He's not a piece so, of awesome. meat. He's not a piece I, of meat. <laughs> who, who said that? You said you <laughs> Listen to the podcast. If, if you're listening and you don't know what we're speaking about. Oh, he's always so, he's so fun to have on the show. Absolutely. 
if that doesn't intrigue you to listen to that episode, I don't know what will. <laughs> nice work, Josh. He's <laughs> not a piece of meat. He's not very a piece exciting. Of very exciting. That's awesome. Well, we're excited to see you at Outbound and to hang out with Me you at too. Outbound. Can't wait. Have some more time with you. Super fun. Uh, go check out outboundconference.com and get your tickets and you could um i'm trying to we have a code for it and i can't remember it is um, it is i think it is warner's 10 warner's 10 capital w i'm pretty sure that's what it is when gina and i share this <laughs> podcast on linkedin um, we will add that code so that's a great idea that is a great idea Brilliant. That brilliant. is brilliant. Follow us on LinkedIn. I think I, <laughs> what would I do without Susanna sometimes? <laughs> too much, I got too much information going through my head. Um, do we have a um, would you rather question? We do. And I'll save the English, segment of the show. I will save the English American word for next week. No, do the English American word now. Amy needs to hear it. <laughs> do you want the boring one or the filthy one? Oh, um, well, we did a filthy one recently. Let's go boring. Let's so, go boring. Okay, we can do that. Um, you guys don't say toilet. Like I, I went to someone, I said, hi, do you know where the toilets are, please? And um, they said, <laughs> sorry. Oh, you mean the restroom, the restroom, I'm like restroom. What's the, am I resting in there? Like, is, do they have toilets in there? Yeah. The restroom, the restroom. Huh? <laughs> so... So yeah. <laughs> so a little riff on that uh, is um my I have two sisters that live in Chicago. So I grew up in in the Cleveland area. We called we call it a, re- a restroom, but in Chicago they call it a washroom. Washroom. So uh-huh. you know yes. I'm from Chicago, and you're right. Washroom. Well, I'm glad I'm not wrong <laughs> because you'd be like, girl, we don't call it a no, washroom. I, you know what I do recall growing up? It's saying washroom. Do they have a uh, shower? Yeah. And then I then all. Sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose you're certain truck stops washing in a sense, aren't you? When you're yeah, going yeah. anyway. In in Ireland, they call it, call it, uh, they call it toilets too. So in case you care. Yeah, there we no, go. you're one of my people. You're one of my people. There, I get there it. we go. <laughs> oh, that's there. That is our word of the week. I have been studying. I'm going to bring some new things to you, Susanna. I've been doing a little bit of stocking of my own on uh, British idioms. So um, lush. You're already oh, my best friend um, in business. You don't have to keep trying, but it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Are we oh ready? my gosh. Are we ready? Yeah, we, we're ready. We're ready for would so, you rather. Would you rather, just to let you know, this is a, a question that we do at the end of the podcast and you have to choose which one you'd rather do. So if you're wondering what, what, what are they doing now, <laughs> that's what we're doing. <laughs> You know, what, I, what I've learned with, with Gina in this podcast is you just roll with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Exactly. Thank you. And you like suss it out eventually. Yeah, yeah. she's so good. Ah! She's good. I love it. I love it. So would you rather, Amy, would you rather be a genius and know everything, which mm. we all know you are anyway, but or be amazing at any activity you tried? A genius for amazing at any activity I tried. Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up being being called pretty much a know-it-all. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I kind of kind of own that. But I'd rather the latter. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just, I'd rather be open and be willing to try stuff. And really, if I wasn't amazing at it, that's okay too. But I'd rather just jump in and try new things. Love mm-hmm. that answer. Great answer. What about you, Gina? Come on. 
she I love it when she knows it's going to be her turn. She looks all this, Oh, this is a tough one. So, so ask it again. Would you rather be a genius, like a know-it-all or knowing everything about everything, mm-hmm. or just be amazing at every activity that you do? It's a really good one, actually. I, I would have to go with amazing. Amazing yeah. at every activity that you do. Yeah, I mean, here's... This is where I'm stumbling with this one. I don't have to be amazing, but I want to be able to do or try every possible activity that I want to try. So I guess what I think of with that one is like, if I was to say, I don't know, hey, Gina, what's 10 times 20? And you're like, I don't know, but I'm going to go and play tennis and be a champion. You know, that's that's how I kind of see it. But yeah. Yeah, I see it like that. Yeah. I see it like that. I I don't need to be a... A genius. I don't no. want to be the genius. And you know, being a genius and knowing it all is high pressure. That is, it, it, it is. is. I, it, I mean, I was starting to feel like some anxiety just thinking about it. Yeah. My husband is one of those people and he gives me facts that sometimes aren't actually true. And I then go and spurt these facts to other people. Like he said the other day, he was like the hangover and tribe comes from this tribe back in the medieval times and blah, blah, blah. There's a story around it. And I thought it was real. It was just something made up. So I started talking to people about it and he was sat there just laughing at me like, <laughs> you didn't know oh I totally God. made that up. But, oh, wait, um, I love him even more because I do that to my husband uh, all the time. I you, literally, you bullshit I, t- I tell stories and he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then he looks at me again and he's like, you're lying. And that is no. why she is a woman that your mother warned you about. Amen. Right. <laughs> My husband will tell stories and he he's, has such like a deadpan sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He'll tell stories. People look at me and they say, is that true? Is that what and, and, then I, and then I have to validate oh it before gosh. I say, no, he's totally making I that up. love Aww. it. I love it. Well, it's always fun to have you here. We're excited to have you at Outbound. If people want to reach out to you, work with you, get your book, all the things, what is the best way to reach out to you? So um, I'll give you two. One is LinkedIn. Look for me on LinkedIn, Amy Franco. And you can also get Outbound resources out there too, right? So you can follow the conference and then on amyfranco.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I can't wait to see you both in person and we will have to do this one again live on stage. Yes, live on stage. There's always more to say. Well, hey, Warners, the end of another episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About brought to you by Sales Gravy and Sales Gravy University. Go check out salesgravy.university for amazing courses. We have so many of them, including courses by Susanna and I. You can find more information about us at The Women WomenYourMotherWarnShabout.com. The website is updated with our new photos from our new photo shoot that we did together. So go check that out. And of course, you can find us at SalesGravy.com as well. Any final words, Susanna? No. Um, Have a lovely evening uh, or a lovely afternoon for those in America. All right. (laughs) Bye, Warners. Bye. I keep forgetting we're not on the radio, right? (laughs) We're not live. (laughs) This is like recorded, but there we are. There we are.